Hello and welcome. My name is Assad. My name is Jamie. We're two surgical trainees in the north of England, and this is the podcast that aims to dissect, to probe, to anatomize, and analyze what it is to be a surgical trainee. Welcome to It's Always Sunny in Surgery. So today we've got some medical students, Lane and Jacob from Scalpel, uh, that's the Manchester-based uh, undergraduate surgical society, and Jacqueline from Surgical Scousers, uh, Liverpool-based surgical society. You're medical students interested in surgery, um, and we're going to sort of talk about getting uh, interested and involved in surgery as an undergraduate, um, and then hopefully we're going to sort of give our perspective to you on how we sort of fell into this um this this life that we're now living um and, and so maybe maybe give you some advice um and what we would have maybe done differently had we had our time again um and what you what you can sort of look to do you know like one of the really nice things about this is that i, I still think i'm 17 or 18 or 20 or whatever i'm not I'm in my thirties. I'm married. I've got a child, even though, um, you know, I feel like a kid. And it's sometimes nice to look at, you know, you look back and you see people are kind of chomping at the bit to 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 do what you do, and it feel it renews your sort of enthusiasm for it. If that makes sense, I think that's one of the really nice things about us doing this. You know, you feel like you're on the you're on the the road to nowhere, and there's no end in sight, and you're just like, oh, what am I doing? What am I doing in my life? Yeah, um, sort of renew. Yeah, it's nice to see some enthusiasm. So wait, let's ask, let's ask um, the students what what was it that first drew you to surgery? Um, you know, in med school, was it was it a particular placement, or is this something that you you went into med school knowing you wanted to do surgery? I think for me, uh, I think I probably went into med school thinking oh surgery school that's probably something I would like to do I think I'm somebody that like likes to use my hands and all of the like I really liked art and everything like that so I think I was always like oh surgery could be a good fit and then I think starting on wards as well I kind of realized that I'm not I don't think I would enjoy being on a ward all the time um and I think that's what sometimes at least in third year has now like started to cement a little bit more like kind of I don't want to be in a ward all the time so I'm either going to end up as a surgeon or as an A&E person um kind of these are the two only options at the moment in my brain do you think you're drawn to maybe the more high-paced specialties uh is that what it, you, you you pick two specialties there that are quite um I don't know quite fast-paced and and um they got the work cut out do you say that yeah oh, definitely I think the slow I'm not somebody that's there like I'm, I'm not good with any like slow paced I'm not super super patient yeah I think I need more of a fast-paced environment always like something's like on the go yeah I think that's more of who I am so have you done surgical placements yet is that yeah I've done one at the moment um was cardiothoracics oh wow yeah how do you find that 
That's quite cool. I saw like a cabbage and a mitral valve replacement and a mitral valve repair. That was actually quite like quite intense to see that. I also saw burns debridement, I think, so it was good. And have you found sort of being interested in surgery that surgeons when you go on placement have been quite welcoming and encouraging to you? Um trying to help you to pursue this career? I think for me, I there's always this massive stereotype, right? Of like, oh, surgeons are horrible people and they're like really mean and that's what I went in thinking. But all surgeons have, up until now at least with me have been like really, really nice. They've like answered all my questions. I've never you know, I felt like they knew that I was in the room basically. Um so up until now it's good 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 vibes. I sort of felt that when I, I remember my first sort of experience of surgery. I mean, I went into medical school with a bit of flavor of surgery because I did a um, a work experience placement at Great Ormond Street, which was you know, this quite um, well-known department. But that was a very niche corner of surgery. Um, and I think it gave me a slightly distorted view of what surgery was like. It wasn't the typical, you know, general surgery, um, orthopedics, all that stuff, the, the, the normal day-to-day stuff that you do as a surgical training. But then as I got into medical school, um, it was, um, as I did placements, I found like it was the surgical placements where I was really pushed to work, where I sort of learned the most and got really, really involved. And so looking back, as I got through to at the end of my med school, like the placements where I really, you know, got most stuck in was the surgical placements. And I think that sort of continued throughout my foundation years as well. And so I kind of just, I knew that, you know, if I didn't do surgery, I probably wouldn't work as hard. <laughs> that was one of the things that drew me to it. But yeah, I, I certainly, I, I think it's interesting that you picked up on that stereotype of surgeons being quite abrasive. And I, I think it's, it used to be a big problem where um, people would put off surgical careers because of that. So it's nice to hear that you're having a good experience with especially in cardiothoracics. <laughs> I've just got to add, like, there's this one story from my undergraduate life, just like the worst portrayal of surgery, but I love it because it's frankly hysterical. So there was this big deal ENT professor, and uh, I think he now works at UCL mostly doing research and stuff. I don't know. I can't remember, but he left. And this was part of the reason why he left. So he used to have students in his clinic and he would do his clinic about cochlear stuff. And basically he would have his desk and then the patient and whatever and a chair next to to him. And then on the other side of the room, there was a cupboard. And so he would instruct medical students and he would sort of say, stand there. And you were halfway between the chair and the cupboard. So he would do his interaction, he would do his things, and then he'd ask you a question. And for every question that you got right, you got to take one step closer to the chair. For every question that you got wrong, you would take one step closer to the cupboard. So if you got enough questions wrong, he'd just get you to stand in the cupboard with the cupboard door shut. And that was the rest of your clinic experience. So you'd just be like, okay, thanks for coming. We'll see you in three months' time. Say goodbye from the cupboard you know that that was the kind of experience that we had and everyone was like this guy what 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 planet is is he living on you know that wasn't yeah i'm pretty old but it was it wasn't that long ago it was this century that this happened you know what i mean so it's i think it's really nice to hear that that kind of behavior as ridiculous as it was 
hasn't been seen or replicated since. Unless any of you, the rest of you, have got any like horror stories like that. I've heard of a, there was a uh, story in Southampton. They used to get their reg to stand outside the clinic room, and um, medical students would turn up and say, "Oh yeah, we're here to be in the clinic," and they'd get out a picture of the pancreas. Uh, like the biliary tree and everything, start asking questions anatomy. If they got it wrong, they went. They went home. They went loud in clinic. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really seem like that much of a, a bad thing, is it? All right, fine. Let's go and see you later. You know, right. Jacob, what have you found your experience of like undergraduate surgery placements to be like? I mean, have you told people I'm kind of interested in in surgery, and have they responded to that positively? Yeah, so for me personally, yes. Like, um, so I did a general surgery placement at MRI before, and what I found is because like I was like I, I stayed quite close to this FOI who I found out to be interested in surgery as well. So that was like really great because we got like this shared interest, and we got to like, like I mentioned like get some projects done with him as well. So that was really good, but um. Personally, because I'm mainly stuck with like the FY and like this really other nice wretch who explained things to me and who actually taught me things. So that like overall, it was quite a good experience for me. And I actually got to learn things. Do, do you think your experience of having had someone who's senior? Because I feel like when you're an F1, you have some idea what surgery is like. Because you're kind of away from theatres and involvement in radiology or outpatient clinics, it's a little bit removed. So, do you feel like having someone that was helpful as a, you know a specialty trainee does that make you more invigorated or more motivated to to do surgery? I think it definitely did because um, I I knew that I wanted to do surgery and like I made it quite clear to you, like some of the um, surgeons on like at the, in the room and like I think whenever I got an opportunity or even when there wasn't really an opportunity for me I tried to like um ask whether there was like anything going on in the theater so that I could like go and watch there was also this really nice wretch who actually like let me well they taught me how to suture the patient up first and actually let me do it hands-on and Honestly, that was like my first time ever such a patient up, like actual patients up. So that was like really an exciting experience for me. And it kind of like just motivated me a little, like not even the experience itself. It's just like the opportunity given by someone that senior and someone trusting me to like actually do it. How does it make you feel? Does that like fill you with kind of life fuel to kind of keep going at it? So basically, like, I know I'm quite set on surgery and honestly, I don't know why yet. I'm still trying to find out the reason. But um, that experience itself, it's just kind of like, I think it sort of taught me what kind of person I am and how I might like perform when I get to training stage. You know, it probably says quite a bit about you, actually, because when you're a reg you obviously and if you're the most senior person in that case you assume quite a lot of responsibility for the, and that patient's overall kind of care so for them to kind of divulge 
responsibility of that operation or that part of it to you obviously shows that they've seen something in you that that is trainable and and you know kind of worth nurturing if that makes sense so i mean that that's that's a credit to you as much as it is to the person who's training you yeah i'm kind of like a, a nice note as well i i, I remember you just sort of brought me back to like the first time you get to scrub in in, in theater as a medical student like even just getting handed a retractor <laughs> nowadays it's really annoying but like, back then it was amazing it was like oh, wow i'm actually holding an instrument in the patient you bit interested you hit upon something else you said something like um you don't really know why you want to go into surgery but that you you sort of caught that surgical bug that feeling like you just that's what you want to do and i think that was when i first started scrubbing in that was when i sort of caught the the feeling that, that this is what i wanted to do it's not it's not there's no sort of logic to it it's just you know you can try and give reasons but actually it's just uh you're motivated by this specialty more than others um because of the feeling you get when you when you go into theater when you when you when you work in the department i think it sounds like you might have caught or started to catch the surgical bug jacqueline what is it that's made you realize so early on that this is this is what i want to do this is who i want to be I think for me, um, so like my family's not a medical background at all. Um, and I hadn't even, so the rest of my house have been like Grey's Anatomy girls and stuff like that. And I've never watched anything and be like, Oh, you like surgery? Have you no. <laughs> and then when in Liverpool, we start our full years of like placement in year three, but our year three was like deepest, darkest COVID. But then we started on surgery and they were like, don't expect too much. Everything might be cancelled kind of thing. So. And then I started on like general surgery and because I was based with an upper GI team who were cancer, everything still went ahead. And we got to go into like and scrub in quite um early on. And as I think it was Jamie and Jacob were saying like, it was just, you can't really explain it. It's just kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm scrubbed in. This is pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. And just the team as well was just like really nice and things as I'm 6'2 and there wasn't like any gowns tall enough so i'm just stood there in this tiny little gown and they're like oh it's fine we'll get you another one don't worry and just yeah the environment was completely different from the perceived stereotype that i've been told before like oh make sure you don't do this do that and then our next placement was the trauma orthopedics and because we've got the major trauma center aintree everything cool comes through there um and because i've got like the bug from it from the previous rotation it just kind of like again snowballed from there and then sort of like i've just been working towards like seeing if I can like connect with other people and stuff because I didn't realize a lot of ne- medicine especially like a surgery thing that's not about what you know it's who you know and I think if I knew that in a couple of like in my earlier years I would have started to try and like network a bit more but I'm happy where I am at the minute so <laughs> you know what it is it's whenever you see people are slightly junior than you that show some enthusiasm and and um sort of keenness it kind of reminds you of your younger self and then it it is nice it's actually quite fulfilling to kind of extend a a hand down to give you a lift up um that's part of the reason that we do some of the stuff that we do and i think that's really nice so did you say that your kind of decision to get on the surgery bandwagon has been relatively recent then so it was always kind of like um because i think liverpool has a bit of a reputation for pumping out medicine specialties especially like gps and stuff and there's nothing completely wrong with that at all but it's just kind of like there's not been as much sort of like thing on surgery so the one lecture we did it was more sort of like leaning forward like oh tell me what kind of thing because this seems pretty cool um 
And then as we've gone up the years and sort of like the spiral curriculum's gone back on, it's been like, okay, I'll start looking into this a bit more and sort of like seeing if I can sort of get any points here or anything like that and get involved a bit more. So, um, and then I was able to intercalate um, and do trauma science at Birmingham. So that's really solidified everything. So, yeah. And um, how do you think your kind of chosen career choice is presented to you? Like, do you have any idea of what it is you need to do or achieve to try and make, I wouldn't say the dream, but make your aspirations reality? I think, so I think my answer probably is going to be separate between preclinical and clinical years. So I think preclinical years, I would say not really, especially with the curriculum. I think it's very much like focused around like let's learn about medicine let's learn how the body works like we're not really talking about any of the specialties like at all really um and that's not just for surgery and then I think once you get into clinical years we have like a few talks about um career stuff and like how to choose the career that could you know suit you better whatever it is and so I think these are quite interesting for people that are completely like I'm interested with a lot of things and I really don't know what is interesting to me um, and I think they have like a lot of value there. I think even for and for people that have already, you know, like, you know, caught the surgical bug, as we keep on saying, like it kind of cements things. Or then you can go up to people and ask like, oh, I'm interested in this. Do you know anybody that I can contact or whatever it is? And if as the other thing I think that's quite useful is like all the like surgical societies. I think even year one, year two, like I was already part of Scalpel um I was not on the committee but I was like a member since year one and then going to all of their events about like CV building even as a year one or whatever it was um and I think that was quite useful because then it shows you from the beginning like okay like oh you should keep a logbook that's the thing that you're supposed to do and then even if you're in year one and year two and you're like well that's something that I don't have to think about right now because I'm not in clinical years yet when you get to clinical years you're like okay like I already have the app on my phone and it's been two years now I just have to use it um yeah, I think it's just one of those things that if you're already interested, you're going to often try to deepen that interest anyways, like how, however you can. And oftentimes it's through surgical societies and you get to learn quite a lot from talks. And if you go to conferences, you get to meet surgeons and then you can talk to them and they'll be like, oh, like this is a little tip that I'll give you. And then you like just carry all of those little tips that you hear from talks and then from actual like surgeons or trainees. Um, and then you kind of just make your own little, you know, kind of a little bag with all of the tips that everybody gave you. Um. Is there anything that you guys want to ask us? What the years ahead of you have to... What what things you, you should be looking out for? I don't know. I think my question I have for you guys is how have you found the training? It's, it, it's, it's not what you expect. Um, that's a big, that's a big question. Like, how have you found the training? Cause I mean, our whole podcast is based on, you know, what, what, what we find in, in training. Um, trainings become um, difficult, especially in, in, the, in the sort of last few years since the COVID pandemic mainly because of the pressures on the NHS and that has had a, the pandemic and the, the pressures on the NHS have both had a profound effect on training. Um, and it has become increasingly more 
uh, reliant on our own initiative to seek out training opportunities and make sure that we're getting adequate training. Um, training, especially in the UK, is not served on a plate to you. And I think you probably find this as medical students anyway, um, in whatever specialty. You know, you can't just turn up and expect to be trained. You have to show initiative, enthusiasm. You have to seek out good opportunities to get experience that that you need. And I think there's a certain skill in it in 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 seeking out those those opportunities. Well, and that 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 is something that you you learn over time. You 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 build up, and it's something that really starts in med school. You, you you find out how to build relationship with trainers, um, how to form these mentorship mentee relationships. That skill, those though, that sort of understanding of how that works, will follow you on. I think how how is training generally? I think it, you know it, it it's good. It's it, 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 I enjoy surgical training, and it, it, you've got to remember that it's a privilege to 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 be in surgical training. Um, it's not a right to you know. It's something that's um, offered to you and you, if you've got the enthusiasm and the drive, then you take it. But you've got to understand that you've got to work for it, if you know what I mean. And uh, you're probably already finding this, I'm sure, at medical school. When you go into placement, I'm sure you have experiences where you may not necessarily feel that welcome, maybe not necessarily wanted at times. But if you, if you sort of, you know, show, show yourself and make yourself present, uh, then, then people do, you know, take the time to to teach you um and it, it, it continues on it never it, it doesn't change you just you just get paid that's the only difference <laughs> i don't know what you find that yeah. oh have you ever seen the film whiplash so it, it, whiplash is this film on netflix right? and um <laughs> yeah <laughs> jamie knows right um so Miles Teller is this guy and he wants to play drums and he thinks i want to be a drummer i want to be like one of the greats so he goes to I think it's supposed to be like Juilliard, but not Juilliard. And he joins a class. And one day he's playing on the drums and this guy walks and he goes, you're okay, you. Join junior band. And then he's like, oh, wow. Whoa, this guy's going to teach me how to play drums. I'm going to work for this guy who's like legendary or whatever. But basically he's just beasted. And this poor guy has to spend hours of his life drumming. And he's drumming till his hands bloody. And he's drumming till like his... Uh, his drumsticks break and uh, he has to, he breaks up with his girlfriend and he's like, I, if I want to be a great, I'm going to have to put the hours in. And the whole time he's just kind of getting not what he wants to hear. He's being pushed to the limit and he's like, you're going to have to drum harder, faster, faster. You're not doing it right. You're out of time. And then at this moment, Miles, I can't remember the, the actor's name is Miles. I can't remember the character's name, Andrew Smith. He drums his, to his like absolute best right and he, you know the conductor finishes and he's still drumming and he's drumming so hard that people don't know what he's doing and he's, he's like absolutely smashing it and then at that point he gets the nod of approval from his mentor like the thing that he's craved and I would say that was kind of the same for me a little bit and the reason being is I kind of when I decided I was going to do vascular um, there was a really really kind of influential figure in the deanery and uh I don't know if he listens. I might even get him on with it. He's been mentioned twice by two different people. So he's this guy that just invoked a lot of fear because he was terrifying. He was like a proper old school surgeon and he was the big boss man and he was in charge. And like, I used to get worked up and anxious when I went to go meet him and I was, everything I tried to do was to try and make sure I was up to standard, up to muster. And then I did 
one placement with him. And when I was working, I was like, oh, bloody hell, I'm working for this guy. Like, oh, that's it. You know, I'm in trouble now. I'm really going to have to, I'm going to have to get to work an hour early. I'm going to have to do all this sort of stuff. And everything was, to, to him was like, yes, boss, no boss. Here's your brew, boss. Uh, I've done all the pre-ops. They're all ready to go. They're all marked consented. We've all got ITU beds. And he just sort of said, very good. And, and then when I came towards the end of that placement, he said, you know what? When I heard I was getting you, I was just thinking to myself, oh my Lord, like who have I upset in a past life? And actually you're a thousand percent better. And, you know, you do have to put up with a lot of aggro before you kind of break it. And part of that is is the sort of character building process. There's probably got to be a better way around it, but it, it, I don't know what that is, to be honest with you. But if you can basically, if you can stand the heat in the kitchen, um, there'll come a point where everything kind of just makes sense and it's it's clear. And then you've made it, and you think, you know what? I'm on the home stretch now. I know what I need to do. But it is a, it is a, it is quite a uh, lengthy, tetchy, tempestuous process. That's probably the easiest way I can describe it. One of the fine things I find sort of solacing is. Um, the fact that everyone else I've met without exception has the same view that they've been through a lot of shit, been through surgical training. So there's no, there's no one who's sort of blissed through and said, yeah, it was easy. Everyone was really nice to me. <laughs> I've not had a single person say that. And so, you know, if, if, if you're not, um, if you're not experiencing that, then there's something, there must be something wrong. There is a kind of learning process and it's a pretty steep learning curve. And all you've got to do is just cling to the curve. You've just got to hold on, not let go, and let the curve and the teaching process take you with it, and then eventually you'll make it. Ride the wave. Yeah, exactly. Ride the wave. You'll, you'll be fine. Someone said the other day, I can't remember what it was exactly, but it was like um one of the like key skills to be a surgeon is just to, the ability to be able to take um adversity you know and just sort of withstand all of that um and be persistent and if you can just sort of hang on and, and and hang in there till the end and you'll make it <laughs> so, i don't know i hope that's true but um you know been clinging on long, long enough now I was gonna say I have a question for both of you. Obviously, like right now, we're like in the peaks of the strikes and everything. Um, have you guys ever considered like not working in the UK anymore? You know, you asked me this. <laughs> so I've been on over the weekend, and um, me and the reg, the general surgery reg, were just sort of moaning about things. Obviously, the strikes coming up and everything. Um, and I've just passed my exams for the the MRTS so I, I was sort of saying like what should I do next and we sort of both decided that the next thing I'm going to do is my USMLE <laughs> and sure and yeah um it's definitely I mean everyone considered it a lot of people consider Australia and New Zealand of course there are lots of different options the the thing you've got to remember uh, uh, you guys mentioned at the beginning that you're um you grew up elsewhere and things like that so it, that's something to consider but for me, my family are all in the UK, and um, I am sort of stuck here for a while for, for that reason. And if I did leave, it would only be for a short while. It wouldn't be for my whole career. 
And le- I think if you do choose to go elsewhere, you can do a fellowship, which is like a set placement, usually like a year long. Um, that usually comes when you're a reg, when you've got a training number. But if you're sort of looking to, or, or, or you can do like you know, earlier, obviously, but if you're looking to sort of set up a career elsewhere, um, that can be very difficult from your sort of social perspective because Australia is a long way away. I, I used to live in Australia when I was a kid, and I can tell you the flight is long. It's uh, you see your family maybe once or twice a year max. Um, so that is something you've got to consider. Is the work-life balance and the pay and things better in these places? Probably training better. I'm not sure. I've heard it's good. Um, but uh, you've got to think about the the things you the other things you're giving up and and the effect it has on other people you know um, my parents are growing old and i'd have to i'd be living completely the other side of the world so um yes i've thought about it and i definitely want to do a, a fellowship abroad i think that would be a good experience for me but whether i want to set my whole career abroad it's um it's a difficult one i probably echo some of what jamie said you know, there are lots of things about the profession that could be better. You're right. Sure. Who couldn't get paid better? And you know, the pay cuts that were taken. And I, I, I particularly feel for, for you guys because, you know, like the tuition fees are going up and up and up and the pay is static. And I think that's really disingenuous. You know, you should be paid more for the amount of debt that you're taking. But moving overseas, you know, you, a lot of time you can always think the grass is greener. And, you know, I'm fortunate in the sense that you know, I'm the, I'm the child of migrant parents. So I've got relatives, a couple of cousins who are doctors in the States. So I was lamenting to them and they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's no better over here. In fact, it's probably worse. And, you know, I've got a cousin who is yeah internal medicine resident in New York. And he was just sort of going on about how his hours are awful, how he's like, he asks nurses to do the jobs. They don't want to do his jobs because they don't like him because it's a little bit racist or something to him. And he's like, you know, I I don't even know. I don't know if it's a racial thing or if they don't like me because I'm from California. And you think, what's this West Coast hippie doing here? And our hours are capped at 80 hours a week, but I'm frequently here 90 plus hours and the training's bad and then you know we got abused during covid and i had covid deniers coming in coughing in my face and they painted such a dismissive picture of of uh working in the states i think medicine around the world is kind of just a charged profession that's my sort of take on it it's that it's going to be difficult wherever you do it and maybe there are some people who truly have made the leap across to the US and they are really loving life and that's perhaps an option. But all I can go off are the close uh, sources that I've got. And I, I kind of, I have to believe that my, I have no reason for my uh, my cousins to sort of lie to me. And, you know, I've got an elder cousin that I looked up to. And, you know, he went to, he, he, he's from Boston, he went to Harvard, he's kind of done all that sort of stuff. But for whatever reason, he wanted to grow up and he wanted to do orthopedics and he didn't match into orthopedics, and that's it. He, his career in orthopedics is over. He matched into medicine, and if he didn't take his medicine job, he may have not got another job. And he spent years kind of trying to accept that, and he's like, you know what? At least you didn't get your job first time around. You took a bit of time. You, you worked on yourself. You got the job second time around. I've had to take a fundamental career shift from this to that, and um, I'm still not all right with it, and it just doesn't, you know, 
even now as an attending physician, he still does seven days on, seven days off, and he does his own discharge summaries, and he has to write all these letters to family members, and he has to do all the summaries and the, and the specialty referrals and all the requests and all the s- s- complex procedures. And, just, and he was like, you know what? If you if your life is all right in England, then just just stay put. Like it doesn't seem that it's that much better. Having said that, he does have a pretty lush house. It's like a million dollar home somewhere in Maryland with a swimming pool and stables. And he doesn't even own horses, but he's got stables and he's got a big garage for his cars. But he works so much, he never really has time to enjoy any of that stuff. So I don't know. I, I it's tough wherever you go. I think. Just, just out of interest, obviously the strikes going on at the moment. Um, is this something you guys are considering as medical students? Like, do you want to work in the UK or not? I think for me, it's quite difficult because I'm not from here. So, and my fa- I'm already separate from my family. So, most of my family is in France, but my parents and my brother are in Singapore. So, I'm already like basically the only person of my family in this country. So, I'm not tied anywhere else in the same way and I've lived most of my life away from the rest of my family and like just seeing them twice a year so that's how I've lived it for most of like most of my life so it's one of those things that I'm not tied anywhere and so I think that's why like even before starting medical school I selected a medical school as well that would allow me to be able to go back to Singapore if I wanted to or go to the U.S. if I then wanted to do that instead or like you know, kind of somewhere that was like not going to restrict the options or if I wanted to go back to France or whatever it was. So I did select that with that option in mind as well. So I think that was always something, even with the strikes, like even without the strikes, sorry, that was always something that was in my brain just because I'm not from from the UK. Surgical training is really good in France as well. I've heard um, Paris obviously has a rich history in surgery. Um, so what about you guys, Jacob, Jacqueline? For me, because I'm... I, I did A-levels here in the UK. That was my first time here. And I loved it then. And I still love it. I still love the UK now. And I kind of knew that entering med school that I'll eventually want to stay in the UK and work in the NHS. Still don't know why. Again, it's that feeling that kind of just, that's there. But I know that I definitely want to like work in the NHS. I think it's becoming more and more common because I remember when I started medical school, it was kind of like even taboo to think about like an F3 year even still. Um, but since COVID and things like that, I think it's become more and more sort of acceptable for people to be like, I want to explore other options. And one of the options that keeps coming up is, oh, should I go take a year abroad, like say Australia, as you said, or New Zealand and things. Um And I think that's quite a sort of like a common thing for Liverpool graduates. Um but I think nine times out of ten people do come back um, to the NHS. So I'm not quite sure how that happens, but it does. Yeah, just on the back of that then, sort of like you're talking about the different hurdles and things like that, is there anything in particular, say, in the surgical like training process that either of you like loathe completely or like you change? It's, it's challenging, but then 
it, it would it, it's never not going to be is it i mean if you're learning how to cut someone open it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to do um so you know it, you're always going to have adversity i think all you've got to do is just in the back of your head um just keep a sort of clear mind as to you know what your aims and, and um, goals are um, and just sort of keep that motivation going. Um, and I think, you know, part of, part, part of my main motivation is the fact that I've been sort of wanting to do it for so long. I don't want to give up. Do you know what I mean? So. <laughs> the past fallacy. <laughs> I don't give up now. I've you know, dedicated so many years of my life now to it. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, yeah, if you, if you guys are doing the right thing, I think starting early, starting interest early, because um, that will play into your motivation later on, the fact that you have wanted to do this for so long when you get to that sort of stage. The one thing that I think should be better than overhaul about surgical training is um, the the way in which we are trained probably at junior levels and the reason is i feel like there's no kind of one set way to do it and you turn up to teaching and you talk to other core trainees and no one really knows what you're meant to learn all they know is that you're at point a and you need to get to point b but they don't know the tra- the process of travel your arc or trajectory in between and i think that's probably the thing that's hardest and you know, I remember thinking this. I watched recently, there was this program on BB, on ITV called Surgery School. It's like 10 years old. Uh, it's pretty, it's really cringe, right? So I was just, I was just thinking about things to talk about. I've, I found it on YouTube. You can watch it all on YouTube, actually. And you come across these people like, oh, I want to be a surgeon, right? And they're all core trainees and they're all starting CT1. And then when you get to the end of it, I Googled them all. I went on the GMC register. And I think two of them are surgeons. And there's like four GPs, one radiologist, a couple of people just left medicine altogether. But that's not to discourage you. It's just, <laughs> um, I, I, I love what I do. I love where I am. I, I, I love going to work and I love getting like big cases. Um, and I, I like, I love that. And I wouldn't change it. It's just a shame that you have to kind of go through all these hurdles to get there. But I wouldn't change career. I wouldn't jack it in. I'd do it all again. I'd choose the same, spe- choose the same specialty. I'd choose surgery all over again. It's great. I love it. No, that's really good to hear because I think sometimes, like, we can get really bogged down in, like, the negatives of it. But, like, to hear people be like, actually, it's worth it in the end. Mm-hmm.